clear for takeoff. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Kings of the Heart podcast, everyone. My name is Tariq Omari Walton, and as always, I am joined by my brother, Dr. John Hart. Dr. Hart, how are you doing, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's great to be here. I love being in this space, always. Hope you're doing well, man. I'm and I'm also excited just because it's, uh, what, Cypher 3, right? Cypher 3, that's right. Oh, my God. It is what does time. that mean? Who do, that means who do we have with us, brother? That means we have the one, the only, the, one. the lovely, the, only. the brilliant, the, lovely. Brilliant. the entrepreneurial, <laughs> yes, Miss Weena Cullens. Oh, my God. Yes. Welcome She's back, Weena. Hey, hey, y'all. Good Hi. to be here with you. Yeah, man. It's good to have you back as well. I always love having my, my whole family here. Yeah, So I many agree. different perspectives, so much brilliance. Just in case people didn't know, we're all licensed clinical marriage and family therapists. We do a lot of work with couples, a lot of work with relationships. Between the three of us, especially with Weena, we got about Ooh. 55 years of... <gasps> of <laughs> Really? Of, of knowledge of working with clients. Seventy five percent of that falls on Wiener. <laughs> We've been This is how we start twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah basically. Basically. I just wanted to make sure that everyone's aware that, you know, Wiener is very well seasoned, so there's no questions. <laughs> so this man this man's on fire. So in the in our last uh episode we got a did a deep dive into how resentment can be very erosive to a relationship and we felt like we need to expand on that a little bit more talk a little bit more about how that resentment actually builds in a relationship and the impact that it can have on you and your mate and so we wanted to break things down just a little bit more and so today dr john tell the people what we're actually going to be getting into uh so we're going to be picking up uh the conversation and talk a lot today about for couples, whenever we're talking about either our current hurts, past hurts, um, how can we do it in a way that is not uh, causing uh, high levels of reactivity, where things are spiraling out of control, where things can almost at times get volatile, right? So overall, we're going to really focus and really help the people to really think through and really um, find a healthier ways to talk about past hurts because as marriage and family therapists that's what we do we find it very important to talk about these hurts but we got to do it in a way that actually promotes emotional safety uh, a safe space and right. that allows growth and healing to happen so that's what we're going to be focusing on today right right we want to make sure that you're having constructive conversations around those hurts so you can actually find resolution and not right. continue to have these rageful moments where you're blowing up and your mate isn't able to hear you because they're they're seeing what you're feeling as opposed to really hearing what you're feeling right, right. so yep. so let's just get into it. let's get into the conversation Wena, help us out a little bit what do you find when your clients come to you and they're having these these um you know layered issues what do you find is the source of a lot of this hurt that people are feeling or the reason why this hurt is such a a, um, 
a long lasting problem within a relationship. What's what's going on with that 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 sense of hurt that you can see? I would say difference in in conflict uh, processing styles is the first thing that I notice. Mm-hmm. And and let me also say that this is going to be instructive for all relationships. True. We're, we're focusing True. on couples, but I can absolutely see value in learning how to do this, even in relationships with family members, coworkers, friends. No Yep. Right. So yeah. if you're tuning in and, and you're not in a relationship, don't tune out because this is going to be best practices for all relationships. No point. True. So in, in relationships with two people, I notice quite frequently that one partner may be a bit more conflict avoidant. And mm-hmm. so when small hurts and that's subjective, into the relationship, they sweep them under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't necessarily want to have to address small hurts. Mm. Yep. And the other partner wants to address each hurt as it comes up because they don't want to let anything build up or they just can't feel connected to their partner when those hurts are occurring in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And the unique dynamic about that is the partner who doesn't want to address the hurts as they come up starts to get resentful because they believe I'm letting all these little things slide and you want to talk about every little Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So that's a piece of what's happening. And it's also playing a part in how two people respond to each other when someone brings up a hurt. Mm -hmm. So you've got the partner who may let some things slide. They'll let it slide until it builds up like a, a, like a pressure cooker. And when they finally blow up, there's so many things to address that the other partner feels flooded. That's That's actually a Clinical term, right? Right. You're clinically, you're flooded with information. You don't even know which issue to try to attack first. Right, right. But then the other partner who wants that immediate responsiveness when they want to address every little hurt finds that the other partner seems dismissive. Mm -hmm. Right. And they seem dismissive Mm -hmm. because they believe on a scale of one to 10, this doesn't even measure on my radar so i don't understand why you feel the need to address this right right and then they don't end up validating that partner's feelings and it's off to the races from there yeah yep and i like the fact that you're kind of couching it in two different areas you have those people who want to address every little issue as it arises and they don't find resolution to it, so it continues to build up, and that's where the the rage and the, the frustration, the blowups happen. And then you have the other side where people who are more conflict avoidant, who kind of yep. st- stand off to the side of those arguments, trying to keep away from, you know, keep the peace. They don't want to engage, but they're still not addressing what's actually happening. So, so things are building up for them too until they blow up. So eventually. Exactly. Anyone who's not finding resolution to problems, you're going to blow up whether you try to address it immediately or try to sweep it under the rug, as Weena said. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was really good. I mean, Sister Weena, uh, um, uh, can you expand on one of the things that um, I've, I've noticed as well? You you had mentioned it, and I do think it's worth kind of exploring. Um, yeah. 
the perception, right? I think that always throws people off in relationships. It's for one person to perceive this situation or past situation as very important. We have to talk about this. We have to address this. Right. Whereas the other person is perceiving it as it's quite trivial. Like what, like, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Right. And, and, and sometimes like we see that almost explicitly plays out for us as therapists. And so what are your thoughts? I mean, what are your experiences when it comes to that perception piece? Because that's where a lot of it, I love what you said, you broke it down beautifully. And, but it was one thing that really said, I was like, that perception piece is always tricky. No. You're absolutely right about that. And that's one of the core components of this. If, if you don't take anything else away from this, understand that your perception is your reality of the situation. Correct. Correct. But right. we often spend time helping partners understand that there is no objective truth in relationships. And when you are able to let that idea go, that there's an objective truth, then we can get somewhere in helping your relationship to evolve and grow. Yeah. The most important thing about perception in situations where you and your partner don't see conflict the same way and you don't mm -hmm. manage it the same way is that the validation has to then be present. Mm -hmm. You Correct. have to be Correct. able to validate your partner's experience, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Correct. And Correct. even if it's not necessarily striking a chord with you in that moment, and it costs you nothing to simply say, okay, your feelings are valid and I can see where you're coming from. Right. Correct. That's the starting point. Correct. But what gets in the way of people doing that? You know, John, let me hear from you about this. You know, what gets, what gets in the way of people actually validating their other partner's experiences? Um, uh, one of the things that comes to mind that I'm constantly working with uh, folks on is so I call it litigation. So I, I see folks <laughs> come in. Well, it's it's a spinoff of what Sister Weena was saying, right? It's like this objective truth. So when that enters the picture, then we have the litigation of facts. Mm -hmm. No, it was 504. No, it was 507. No, it was 504. No, you were wearing this. No, I was wearing this. And what that does is, is that it becomes not just a tit for tat, but it's almost like a sparring match right. in which you're just, you both are hitting each other uh, metaphorically. And it's it's creating a lot of wounds, and not and, and to Enrique to your point, it really prevents the conversation from moving forward. Right. Um, so that's one thing. So 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 one of the things that comes to my mind about um, how this plays out, uh, how people struggle with it, I think people are litigating. I think we get caught up, and I think that's 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 fueled by defensiveness. And is that is right? that so actually is that actually a intentional um, tactic that people use because they're trying they're having a hard time. Um, taking in what their partner may be saying, especially if it's about them, if it's a criticism or something that they may have done to harm their partner. Is that an intentional tactic on their part to litigate? I think for some people, yes. I think for some people it is quite intentional. Uh, I think for other folks, the other fact that I'm going to, uh, I'll mention, because I think it's also part of it. I think it's ego, right? And mm. so when you get to your point, when you get, when you receive feedback from your partner, um, it's 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 it shakes your world right because right. i think most of the time we go through life day in and day out thinking that we're doing the best that we can right and we love our partners we would never dare hurt our partners so when you get that feedback the ego takes a hit we get very defensive 
and we have a lot of these like reactive emotions that start coming out. And so when people are not validating, like Sister Wina is saying, I think they are stuck both cognitively and emotionally, right? So the ego takes a hit and the feelings yeah. are reactive and it's so raw that then you get into this place of, well, I will go into litigation to you because it's the only, because I can't express right now what I truly feel some right. people or um, or some people are just like, they were never really taught like emotional awareness. So they really don't know what to do with all the things that's yeah. going on. So, so the go-to with some of my clients is, and I've seen this a little bit more with men is that then I'm going to go to the facts. And that's where like you hear it play out a lot where it's like, that's not right. That's not fair. Like that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then I see the litigation. Right. Um, hopefully that wasn't confusing because it made sense in my head, but I, no, I, I've I seen it. that a lot. Right. Yeah. Like where the litigation part is actually being fueled by defensiveness, which when getting feedback from your partner is like, okay, you took an ego hit. Um, but first validate. That's what Wiener's talking about. Like you have to validate and say like, look, even if I, that was not my intention. And also I didn't have the same experience. Let me start off by saying, you know what? I hear you. What I'm hearing you say is this. It makes a lot of sense with everything that you're saying. Start there right. and then try to work your way out. But that ego, man, it takes a hit. But I think that's the part that actually gets in the way for people. Being able to say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it doesn't make sense to them. And that's not what they want to say. That's not the message they want to communicate to their mate because they don't want their mate to feel like they're right in the situation yeah. if they believe they're wrong. Yeah. So adding on to that, I think, you know, um, when you're saying to them, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It made a lot. It makes a lot of sense from your perspective. OK, mm -hmm. so if I right. take in what you're saying, if I'm but that's hearing what empathy you right, is, though, right? Right. Isn't and that's that exactly what, what it is? is. But that's the part that people <laughs> right. often miss. They often get right. caught up in thinking, oh, wait, if I agree with them, then, you know, that's basically what I'm doing. Agree with them when I validate. No, when you're validating, all you're saying is that based on your perspective and what you shared. Yeah, I could see why you may feel that way. That makes sense based on your perspective. I have a different perspective. But, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. So it's really about that understanding. You just want to show that you understand, even if you don't agree. And it's fine to to disagree. But a lot of people get caught up in, I don't want to sound like I'm agreeing with you because then they think they're right. Yeah, I agree. I see it, too. I see it, too. I want to debunk a myth here. Okay. I think that there's a myth that in romantic relationships, if you care deeply for someone or you even love someone, that conversation should be easy oh, yeah. and they should be quick. Right. But what we're talking about right now is when you're talking about past or present hurts, put your seatbelt on, get ready for a layered conversation. And that doesn't mean that it has to be painful, but there are some components to it because Good you point. are going to have to unpack point. some ego and you're right. also going to have to talk about some triggers and you may even have to talk about some past instances where this thing has occurred, which is why it's causing a problem in the relationship for you now. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Lots of people yep. come into relationships thinking that they should be able to have a couple of quick passes or exchanges in a conversation it should always be painless and you should be done. Yeah. But the truth is when you're trying to get to know somebody intimately and you're trying to understand the way they think and how they develop feelings around certain situations, it takes some investigation and research and you have to be willing to put that work in. Yeah. And to tag on to that, you also have to be willing to accept the fact that the hurt that you gave may hurt you to realize that. 
I think people often will be stopped by, you know, I don't want to hear this because it hurts me to hear about me hurting you. And when you talk about setting the ego aside, you have to take yourself out of that. Right now, you can talk about your own hurt in a different situation, I mean, at, at a different time. But right now, we're addressing this other person's hurt. So you making room for the other person to talk about their experience and how they're feeling, for you to create a safe space for them, that means you kind of have to, you have to learn how to self-regulate too. That you can't allow the hurt that you feel from the guilt, let's, let's focus on it, mostly like the guilt or the regret. Um, or the inadequacy that you feel as a result of your partner expressing their pain to you. You have to set that aside for the moment to give them that room to express themselves and to hear them. And you can even share that. You know what? It wasn't my intention. Even hearing you say that, that makes me feel very guilty and, and regretful and hurt. Um, not by you yourself, but by the idea that whatever I did hurt you. That's hurtful to me to even think that I did that and it wasn't intentional. You can make yeah. that part of the conversation because that helps the whole healing process for your mate to realize it wasn't intentional. That's a piece that a lot of folks are are struggling with. I don't I don't think they're very aware of their own guilt and shame in those moments. Yes. And it's so rare that I hear people who are able to stop without help and say, I'm having a hard time taking this in. Right. And because I don't like the way I look right now in your eyes. Yeah. I don't like the way this makes me feel mm -hmm. right now. I feel seen in a way that I don't want to be seen. Yeah. 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 Because I, mean, I, I tell people all the time, three of the hardest emotions for people to actually deal with, which actually gets in the way of you being able to resolve conflict, is the sense of inadequacy or, you know, insecurity, um, guilt. Right, so you go. Yep. Yeah. Guilt and regret. Because almost like yeah. you can't do anything with that. You can't go back and fix those things. So those things will always stick with you. You know, and people have a hard time. No one wanna ever, wants to ever look at themselves as being inadequate. So when right. you're saying something that causes me to feel inadequate, I feel seen in a way that I don't want to be seen. And so I'm going to do whatever I can to deflect from that feeling and turn things back around you or not want to hear you. Whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to distract you. I'm going to litigate. I'm going I'm to bicker with you <laughs> so that I don't feel this and you don't see me as that. You know, I'm going to turn it back around you. So people, that's those are some of the things that actually get in the way of people being able to hear you so that you can even start the healing process. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's also part of part of having having space for these conversations is uh, to receive it, right? Like we were talking about defensiveness. I, you also don't want to be dismissive either, right. you know? Like you don't want to just, you know, well, you know, well, the infamous, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way or, you know, right, or, right. Or, 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 or a couple of times I've heard, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And it's like, nah, like, like there's, there's, there's things to be unpacked here. Mm -hmm. And um, so I want to like name that. And then like Sister Wiener was saying something and it had me thinking it's, um, Wiener, you had mentioned, you know, it's, it's a multi-layered conversation and I agree. And that's yeah. why in my mind, I always say that these situations when talking about past hurts it involves conversations as right, plural, right? right because there's yeah. no way to unpack all of this and to, to endure this for like six hours straight like that just wouldn't make sense right yeah. and so when you said multi-layered i also want to just add a fine point on that that like what sister Wino is also suggesting too is that we create as many spaces to talk this through as as a way to really move forward mm -hmm. because it it can and will be overwhelming for both parties right, right? that's why we're talking about it we don't want reactivity to spiral out of control and also i also suggest the multi-conversations pieces because and, and, and 
you know, we're, we're managed family therapists, so we're all kind of trying the same way. It's it's also to make sure that we are as organized as possible. Because one of the focus, things I'm man. sure you, you guys know, right? Yeah, is when people are talking about past hurts, it gets really messy and it gets really disorganized. And I think that can be hard to receive. Yeah. So let's also yeah. acknowledge that for the person receiving it. Sometimes people are just kind of going off and it's not it's not so much that it's yes, the intensity and the and the feelings are raw, but also the information is really all over the place yeah and so it's hard to track it's yeah. hard to really respond which then could create frustration shutting down and being dismissive right yeah absolutely yeah go ahead winner no oh. go ahead um i think what's also happening is you know in those situations you're talking about it being multi-layered and having to have multiple conversations what happens when you have someone who is conflict avoidant and even having one conversation is hard enough now you're talking about having multiple conversations how do you engage someone who is going to try their best to avoid having these conversations in the first place? That's a process too. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. That's absolutely a process too. And this is where, where you have to pull out your therapy skills and, and folks have them, lay people have them. Mm -hmm. Creating a safe space for conflict avoidant people is something that we all have to do because we've, we've all, endured some level of trauma in, in conversations with people along the way. And some of us are more deeply impacted by it than others. Mm -hmm. And when you discover that your partner is conflict avoidant, it's really important that they discover it as well. Yeah. The hard part is that sometimes they can't hear it from you because of that ego, but they have to become aware of the fact that in relationships, there's going to be, conflict mm -hmm. as you navigate the imperfections of intimacy there is going to be conflict right and how you talk about it serves as data points along the way to help you feel safer and safer in those discussions right you have to risk having some of those conversations to actually acquire data that tells you this is a safe bet we're going to end up in a better place once we get through some of this and mm. what does a better place look like? We're less emotionally weighed down. We've laid down some of that anger. We've been able to work through its close cousin, which is resentment. Mm -hmm. And we are now feeling more connected to each other because we also got to know a little bit more about each other along the way of having these hard discussions. So there are benefits to having those hard conflicted discussions when you are conflict avoided, but you can't get to that unless you take the risk. Yeah. True. I agree. True. hundred percent with that. Yeah. And, 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 and can you say a little bit more? Cause I think, I think it's important for our listeners and, and, and folks out there who hearing this may self-identify as conflict avoidant. Weena, even reek. I mean, let's talk about that risk. It comes with being in any kind of relationship, going yeah. back to the premise of what yeah. Weena said, okay? Right. Yeah. So it's not just romantic relationships. Weena brings up a really good point that friendships, family, like, so there's risk, right? right? And and what are you guys' thoughts about taking that risk, especially for those who are listening who may self-identify as conflict avoiding? What does that mean? How do you manage it? What and and I, and I think for some folks are like, well, what's what's to be gained by taking such a risk, even especially if I've had bad experiences? Well, I think you know, going back to one of the things that we said at the top was that 
being in a relationship means having harder conversations. Things aren't always going to be easy. Just because you're in love with somebody doesn't mean there's always going to be the sense of ease between you. The peace will be shaken from time to time. You're different people with different yep. perspectives <laughs> on life. So you guys are going to have to work through some things. Yeah. So you're going to have you. So you have to accept that part of it. You have to be accepting of the fact that things aren't always going to be as easy as you want them to be. But the more you work on them, the easier things will become. So that has to be part of your, your, your process, recognizing that it's going to happen. Accept that. The other part, too, is that, you know, you are not perfect and um, other people are going to recognize are going to see that you're not perfect. And you have to work through that, that ego part of it. You know, you can't just avoid conflicts because you don't want to face those parts of you that you don't like and expect people not to see. No, you have they're going to be seen, especially if you're with somebody all the time. The more you're with somebody, the more seen you're going to be. And a lot of those insecurities that you have about yourself are going to show up in the relationship. And so you're not going to be able to avoid those things. They're going to have to be brought up. So you have to talk about them, um, hopefully in a more constructive way. Hopefully, too, your partner will be able to share with you that when we have these conversations, because I think what happens is the reason why people become conflict avoiding is that they easily feel flooded by emotions. They don't know what to do all the emotions and all the information they're getting because they're feeling flooded. As a right. partner talking to the person who may be conflict avoidant, you have to reassure them that, um, the conversation is going to be a little bit more focused. I'm not going to hit you with 18,000 different um, uh, gripes I have. We're just talking about one thing at a time. That way yeah. you feel less um, apt to be flooded by a lot of information and emotions and not knowing where you, what you have to respond to. We're going to talk about one thing. That's it. Yeah, we have other conversations we have to have and we have to address other issues. But right now yeah. we're just focusing on one thing. It reassures them that we're only doing one thing at a time. Let's get that taken care of and then we can move on to something else. Great point. That's a great point because I think that emotional injuries happen early in relationships when two people who care about each other very deeply try to have conversations about hurts and they're not necessarily using best practices. So to start, if what you learn about your partner is that they are going to flood you with information that you immediately armor up yes. to mm. prevent yourself yep. from having those hard conversations. Yep. Yep. But there's a dynamic at play here because if the other partner has learned early on that you are easily dismissive and defensive and quick to avoid any level of conflict they start to store up those emotional hurts and they come out like verbal diarrhea mm -hmm. when they finally get a window yeah. of opportunity yeah. mm -hmm. to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of time as therapists helping couples to see that it's not necessarily a right or wrong or mm -hmm. which came first, the chicken or the egg, but it's this dynamic that gets created at a very vulnerable time for both people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Both of you want very much to be at ease and to enjoy each other. And this conflict pops up and you learn that you approach the conflict very differently. And it causes both people to become emotionally reactive in different ways. Mm -hmm. When you are reactive in a way that you quickly shut down, it's just as powerful as being reactive in a way that you ramp up and you're pursuing Agreed. your partner, yeah. you know, being very passionate, literally violating their boundaries because they've asked you to stop, but you can't rest until you get some resolution. Yeah. I think it's also the, important to point out that there's a difference between conflict and confrontation. Mm 
And I think the thing that that scares people off from the idea of um, dealing with conflict is that they're afraid that it's going to lead to a confrontation. You know, you don't Great want point. it to get you don't want it to get deep and um, and hurtful. You know, which typically happens when there's an actual confrontation. When you think of confrontation, it's about a fight and there's going to be injuries. There's going to be hurt. And so the reason why people become conflict avoidant, you can't you can't avoid conflict, but you can avoid the confrontation. It doesn't have to be a hurtful engagement. So I think that's the other dynamic that people need to understand. It's not necessarily no. confrontational just to have a conflict with somebody, to have a disagreement with somebody, you know. I'm I'm curious from you guys though, as we're talking about this and recognizing how like when you know when you're saying how one person um may have earlier on been injured by the way that one the other person's um dealing with the conflict, whether being dismissive and yeah. avoidant or um uh, flooding you. Can we talk about how that actually makes you feel more anxious and how the anxiety actually feeds the frustration that you feel? And why you may blow up, why you may become rageful at the times where that hurt isn't being addressed. Oh, my gosh. So I use this term in therapy with my clients, emotional detours. Okay. And when emotional injuries occur, we learn to take emotional detours mm, because we, we know that the shortest distance between two points is a straight, a straight line. line. Yep. And so between two people, you typically start off feeling like you can come directly to your partner with loving feelings and also with feelings of hurt. And that's what endears you to them. Right. At some point you're getting it right in the relationship, which is what causes you to become, you know, right. life partners, right. uh, level up your relationship because that person has proven to you that when you are vulnerable, they can handle it. Yeah. So it's so um, disheveling when all of a sudden you come to them with a vulnerability and it doesn't go well, it right? Because down. you're getting deeper into the weeds of the relationship. And, and when it doesn't go well, partners typically learn to take an emotional detour. Mm. Instead of going straight to that person, now they're allowing it to build up or they learn to say certain things uh, exhibit certain behaviors that ward off the conflict. Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel the pain that I felt when I tried to be vulnerable with you and it didn't get received well. Right. So I'm going to act a certain way and it's going to build up. Eventually I'm going to have to come to you about it. Mm -hmm. We can't live like this in this parallel space forever. If we want to have true intimacy mm -hmm. And that, Reek, is what you're talking about, how that frustration and the anxiety builds to a point that is so unproductive that when you finally come to those hard conversations about hurts, it's so hard for it to be productive. Yeah, yeah. And in those moments, if you can't be in the conversation and also kind of hovering above it, looking at the dynamic that's happening between the two of you, mm -hmm. you get sucked into the melee. That's a great point. Right? That's a great point. Right. And, great and point. so we're always standing on the outside of it, very objectively looking at how the chess pieces are moving to see how you got there. It's really important to understand how you both landed where you did as much as you are trying to be in touch with what you're feeling in real time. 
That's another key piece of being in a relationship successfully, understanding that however you got there definitely contributes to what's happening in the moment. And you have to be interested in that. You have to be interested in why a person is doing what they're doing in order to be able to get out of it. Because if you just see the behavior without context, you react in ways that typically aren't healthy or productive. Yeah, what do you think, John? Yeah, I think it's well said. Uh, I think it's well said. Uh, I think there was a lot there, and and definitely I can underscore some of it. But I think Wayne's last point uh, is a really good point because like I've also had to stress um, that being in a, any kind of relationship, uh, there is a connection there. You appreciate the connection. You find the other person endearing. There's all kinds of things that bond you together. Um, and so I'm always working with clients to say as hard as these, as hard as these conversations can be talking about current hurts, past hurts, deep down, there should be a level of both curiosity, openness around this person who you love, care about so deeply for them to talk to you about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Right. Just does not make sense to like either dismiss that or to shut that down. Down because to me it's very incongruent to say I love this person I care about this person I want them in my life yet you know I don't want to hear it and, and we've broken right. down some of the things that are probably contextualizing some of that stuff but if you just think about it just from a very sharp deductive piece it's so incongruent to say that you have this connection with this person and you technically don't care or don't want to talk about because there are people who literally will say like I, I don't care like yeah. I'm over this. And, and and we get that there are some processes along the way, as we mentioned, that, yeah, they're off. That's probably what's making it hard. Mm -hmm. But right. I think I, I, I just want to put a uh, put a fine point of what Mina said at the last point, which is why I'm saying this, is that I think one of the ways that we can transform relationships is, is as we know as therapists, is like leaning into these conversations far more, like showing an interest, knowing that it's going to be hard. And like, yes, like Weena said, like buckle up. There's yeah. nothing wrong right. with buckling up, but don't buckle up and bring armor. But just buckle up and say, "Wow, I this is about to be hard." Right, be ready but, for the ride. Yeah, get right. ready for the ride. But you know what? Because I love you so much, because you mean so much to me, uh, I do need to hear this. And and uh, this is the other point I'm going to say and stop because I was thinking about what you guys are saying. And at some point, which is what I get on my couples on, at some point. The other partner who's about to speak, you need to be ready at some point to be able to receive because I'm pretty sure there's some past or current hurts that will be exposed. Right. So right. this is bi-directional. I also I always mm. I always have to remind couples that because what we can't have and you guys tell me your thought, what we can't have is we cannot set up a system in which one person is just constantly just coming. Mm. And then they're also not technically built to receive. Right. And so True. goes both ways. I it is bi-directional. Part of being in a relationship by what you can't do is like I have some clients and they've struggled in certain ways where they have no problem talking about their hurts and, and past hurts and current hurts. But then when their partner brings up they're the ones who end up being very dismissive. Right. They're the ones who are shutting right. down. And I'm like, hey, like where's the equity in that? And right. that's not really appropriate. Right. Right. So if you're going to want to be heard and I think Weena had said it in a different way. You have to also be open to receiving information about that as well, because that is part of being in any kind of relationship. 
Right. It, it is right. Yeah. You got to be able to share. Yeah. You also got to be able to receive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, a, that's a tough one. Go ahead, Reed. I'm going to say, I think for a lot of people, that's the hard part, too, because we talk about being bi-directional. When people do start explaining, you know, how their how their partner's hurts um, have impacted them, which you'll see oftentimes, I see this in, in session all the time. The other person will say, well, you hurt me, too. You did this. You did that. And so they're not making right. room for the other person or even Correct. to hear the other person. So <laughs> when you talk about being bi-directional, you know, it's like I'm hurt, too. So I can't pay attention to what you're saying right now because you need to address what I, what I have going on. And that's, that's I think, that a, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I think important, it's important to make sure that we're addressing things separately. It's OK. Look, at this person's bringing up their hurt right now. You didn't bring up yours. You didn't initiate this conversation. So this isn't the time for you to address your hurts. That's, a, again, a separate conversation. Don't let that get in the way. Don't let what you've been through get in the way of you being able to hear your partner. Give them their space, their time to address what's going on from their perspective. Then talk about yours. But there needs to be, as long as you're going back and forth like that, there'll never be resolution because no one's actually addressing the other person's problem. All they're doing is throwing yours back into the ring. I think what also gets in the way is that people will often have these conversations in the midst of other ongoing conflicts. Correct. One yeah, that's thing, a good point. One thing you have that's to do point. is make sure that you're having these conversations maybe at a peaceful time, not when you're already enraged about something else because what you'll find is that you're usually bringing in every past hurt into this new situation so this new situation isn't getting resolved and the yeah. old situation definitely aren't getting resolved. Don't wait until you're having an argument already to try to address these hurts. You have yeah, to make sure that you're, yeah. you have to make yeah, sure yeah. that you're separating this hurt from the current hurt. And, you know, you're having your own conversation about this one thing. Stop trying to take on too much at one time. That's why things aren't getting resolved. There's way too much happening at one time. Too many different emotions and feelings are going on and everyone's feeling flooded and nothing's getting settled. Right. Rick, that piece that you were talking about previously goes back to how we opened up today's show where I was saying that one person may be more conflict avoidant and the other person wants to talk about the issues as they come up in real time. Mm -hmm. Typically when that person who wants to talk about the issues confronts the other person after so many small hurts have built up, you get that person who sweeps it under the rug who says, well, wait a minute, I, I was yeah. hurt too, right? right? Yeah, I've right. been hurt yeah. and I just chose not to say anything about it. So now I'm going to bring it up not in a in an attempt to hijack the conversation, but to say that this doesn't feel equitable now. No, it's not fair. You keep wanting to talk about things and I don't want to talk about things mm -hmm. because I'm I'm thinking I'm taking the high road. Mm -hmm. And when you want to talk about all of your hurts, it feels like you're not taking the high road. Right. It's a difference of, of opinion, a different perspective about the way conflict should be handled. And so many people find themselves at a stalemate right there because it's a different way of doing it. Mm -hmm. So what do you do then? Do you talk about every hurt as it comes up in real time or can you brush some things under the rug? Great, great question. Mm -hmm. I think that you have to know your partner's style and you have to really adapt to that. I think that the partners who don't necessarily bring things up in real time need to monitor that mm -hmm. because sometimes when you do let little things slide because you think that it's just minutiae, you are building up some resentment mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, of for course. Sure. And, yep. and you're not aware that 
after a certain point of letting things slide, you have a breaking point or a flooding point, and then it is going to come out and negatively affect the relationship. On the flip side of that, for the partner who wants to bring up every hurt that happens in real time, you also need to explore what that's about. Are you giving your partner grace? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bring that up. I bring that up a lot. Zooming out, right? Sometimes and saying, you know, what is this about that I have to literally point out everything that's happening in the relationship that's not going according to my expectations? Mm -hmm. Is there room here for me to step back and let some things go in order for us to just have peace from time to time. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a control again. That's that control. I was thinking, yeah, this is control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, control came up for me when you were talking. And, and, and also let me say, like, I, I totally agree with the both of you guys. And that's kind of what I was thinking, which is um, I see it often where folks will, the person who's been sweeping things under the rug will, get so triggered to the point where they're like okay now let's talk about you now and it's like <laughs> like no nah, mm-hmm. no nah, mm-hmm. nah, you know what i mean just just not not appropriate and i think the way you the both of you guys like broke it down i think the audience really needed to hear it because it it's something that is critical and I also love you know what what Wiener was saying which is you know like there has to be some level of introspection i think for both parties there has to be the person who's bringing the person who's bringing things up like every other like every day or every other hour like you need to sit down and really think about what she's right like what's going on there and the person who's sweeping things under the rug or or the so-called i'm taking the high road in the relationship well what's that about as Mm -hmm. well where did where did that come from who taught you that and 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 what are ways that like in what ways is that even helping, right? So, I, I mean, like, the way that you guys broke it down, I think, was really important for the folks to hear because, as as Weena said, what we're bringing... Okay, so the topic is how do we talk about current and past hurts without getting reactive, right? And what we've shown so far is, is to Weena's point, it's so nuanced than just, well, just be respectful and, you know, do expressive yeah. listening. It's like, nah, it's far more complicated and nuanced at the end of the day. And so... um, yeah, I just I just wanted to kind of name that because it's not as easy as as uh, Rico's men is not as easy I think a lot of people would would find it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, this right. stuff is this stuff is hard. Mm-hmm. This stuff is but hard. to make it even even clearer, all couples who see me get into the practice of having a state of the union meeting every week, and this is how we actually combat some of the conflict avoidance and make it a far easier process for people to have an outlet to talk. The state of the union meeting is a meeting that occurs whether you're in conflict or not. Yes. My platform is relationship education and we are just uninformed from a very young age about what to expect as we encounter romantic relationships, how to talk, how to express feelings, how to even become aware of our own feelings and other people's feelings. So in the state of the union meeting, it's supposed to happen in a non-threatening space. It's not an interrogation or litigation. Mm -hmm. You may have this meeting over ice cream. You may have it during pillow talk in the bed. It should not be any longer than an hour when you work your way up to an hour and it can be as short as 10 minutes. But when you're talking every week about what things do we need to stop doing that are unhealthy or unhelpful in the relationship? What things do you need me to start doing 
that I haven't been doing and what things are working? What yeah. should we continue? Yeah. Stop, start, continue. It gives you a space that's safe to discuss the things that have been percolating in your brain all week. It also lets you know that there's going to be a designated time for you to air any grievances. Yeah. And you can depend on that happening every week so that there is no buildup for an entire month or two months of things that are going on because you two are like two ships passing in the night and you haven't had time for a deeper conversation. Mm -hmm. It also helps you to flex your emotional muscles. You actually get to show up, practice being present with each other, practice having a discussion that can be fun and social and can also get tense. But because we've only got 60 minutes to talk about it, whatever we don't get to, we can table it and we'll pick it back up next week. Because mm -hmm. guess what? We love each other and the relationship isn't going anywhere. So if you aren't having a state of the union meeting every week, no wonder it's so difficult sometimes and awkward to approach these conversations and you're always coming in hot. Mm -hmm. I suggest that folks think about ways that they can practice just having a meeting. And even if there's nothing on the agenda and all you have is a glowing review, great, because we also do not talk about the things that our partners are doing well yeah. enough. Yeah. Oh. Talk about the things that went well. Talk about the fact that they left you a little note in your lunchbox or they folded the laundry when it was your turn. Those are the things that build equity in relationships. Build equity, but also build resilience. I mean, what you're talking about right there, when you're having these conversations, I like that you pointed out that you have to build up to that hour because the idea of speaking for an entire hour about this could yeah. be very frightening. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it may be as short as five, 10 minutes. So start there and build up to that hour. But when oh. you're having these conversations, and even if you don't have something negative to share, by expressing appreciation, you know, you're helping to strengthen the relationship too. It makes it easier to have hard conversations when you've had easier conversations, when you've felt appreciated. You know, you can take a little bit more criticism because it Absolutely. feels a little more balanced. You know, what happens oftentimes, one of the reasons why people have a hard time taking criticism is because it feels very unfair. It feels very unbalanced. They're hearing all this bad stuff. But what about the good stuff that I'm doing? You know, I don't hear about that enough. And even though I don't want you to necessarily praise me, don't beat me up all the time. There has to be some balance there. So you're actually creating an environment to share everything when you're having these Correct. state of the union meetings. You know, when you when you sit down, you can talk about absolutely yeah. everything, not just the yeah. bad, but the good, too. You know, but it helps to build up that sense of resiliency, which is important because that protects you from hurts. You're not going to feel as hurt because you understand your partner better. You recognize that they appreciate you as well. It's not just everything is bad with you. So you're a little bit more resilient to things that may have potentially hurt you more before. It's not going to hurt as deeply. It may still bother you, but the hurt won't hit the same way because you've been talking enough about things that you understand each other in a way that you know it's not intentional. Right. You should always, always, always find something that you should or could compliment or be grateful for in the relationship as a start to these conversations, because sure. it really does lay the groundwork for having a productive conversation. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Well, guys, we are getting to the end of our program. And always at the end, we like to hit our Listens off with what we call our noble truths. Our noble truths, a time where we give you some bullet points, some highlights to today's conversation, things that you should definitely take away 
from the conversation and work on in your daily lives. So let's off with you, Dr. John. Give a couple of noble truths for our listeners. Yeah, um, I think a couple of things that stand out to me is, um, as I was stressing earlier, pace. Mm. Let's pace these conversations, right? Uh, conversations with an S, right? We're going to have multi-conversations. They're going to be multi-layered. And so at the end of the day, it's going to be important that, as we mentioned, let's not flood the other person, but let's not also underwhelm the other person right. um, with the impact of the conversation. So let's really pace. And I think Weena's uh, uh, suggestion around the you know state of the state of the union meetings, I think, is a great, amazing, practical example of how you adjust the pace, how you actually define pace for you. And so that's one thing. And that's it. The other thing as well, and 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 Sister Weena's just been on fire, and I, and I just so agree. Is I think both parties. Um, however they're showing up conflict avoiding or the one who's really pursuing the conversations just really also create space for yourself to do some introspection i found that to be like a very important piece that um does that gets overlooked a lot right. and so i i really love that point Lena, where um in order to improve the dynamic around talking around hurts i think both parties need to do some introspection and to have some honest introspection as well so i yeah. think those are my those are my uh two that weren't mine but it's from Weena. i just wanted to underscore that <laughs> he done stole Weena's points i mean i mean sisters on fire so yeah I, you can't I deny that you can't, can't deny that it's all that Do experience I have to go now it's all that experience go. <laughs> Let's go just ahead get my turn get my turn <laughs> Your turn though. Come no, on now. We know you got buckle, some good stuff. Buckle up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Buckle, buckle up. up and unlearn the idea that being in romantic relationships is going to be easy and that conversations should always be light and non-conflictual. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Getting to know your partner on an intimate level and being vulnerable requires some investigation and it mm -hmm. requires some curiosity. But the benefits absolutely outweigh 100%. the drawbacks. Yeah, 100%. Right on, right on. 100%. And a couple of my noble truths for this week is recognize that a lot of the rage that you're feeling when you're blowing up, you know, is due to past hurts that have not been resolved. So the point is that you have to take the time, like we said, with those State of the Union conversations, take the time to have conversations with your mate around what these hurts are individually, individual hurts. Not you don't want to flood your mate with everything that's on your mind. Take your time, break things down to an individual point. Be focused. Um, yeah. Like John said, you know you don't want to come into the conversation highly reactive, and your brain right. is going everywhere, right. and your partner can't understand where you're coming from. Right. Focus your conversations in a way that it makes sense, and your partner right. can actually hear you. Um, but do that in a very structured environment, not during other conflicts when you know now you want right. to just let everything out. Because that's where the rage comes from. It's a buildup of things. So in order to Thanks. keep that rage yep. at bay, and re recognize also that that rage is being fed by the anxiety, by the resentment, all those other negative feelings. See all that going on. Step away from that. Have a nice, calm conversation that focuses on one thing at a time. Don't use you being flooded to flood your partner. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. What's so, up? Amen. That's a good point. That's a good. Well said, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your appreciation. 
You know, see, you have to you have to share appreciation with everybody. It makes you feel better, yeah, man. This makes you feel so much better. So <laughs> I agree. I agree. Anyway, folks, well, that's the show for today. Please, Weena, let everybody know where they can find out more about what you have going on, who you are, just how they can reach you if they want to get some 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 more of these jewels that you just always bless us with. Absolutely. Hit me up, uh, of course, in my DMs on IG, Weena Cullens, LCMFT, or to find out more information about my practice and become one of my couples or uh, one of my clients, you can always go to WeenaCullens.com. That's W-E-E-N-A-C-U-L-L-I-N-S.com. All right. Dr. John, let the people know. Oh man, you can always come and check out kingsoftheheart.com, see what me and Brother Rick got going on. That's where we have updated information, planned events. Uh, also, another place where you can find links to our web pages and links to all the different uh, Kings of the Heart uh, episodes, both past, present, which is also on multi platforms as well, social media platforms. And so come check that out. Also, um, check out rccmaryland.com. That's where I'm at, doing great things in the community. And also, I always tell the people, like, check out the Bear Institute of Justice, man. We're doing great work over there. Proud of the work that I'm a part of. And so, very busy, but also very blessed. So, um, that's where y'all can check me out. Y'all some busy people, man. Y'all some very busy people. I'm glad you guys can make the time for this. You know, I'm glad glad to have you when I can. Man, it's for the people, man. It like, is for the people. It, it, we're here together, and we're it's for the people. It's it's well worth it, man. But where can we find you, brother Rick? All right, like Dr. John, you can find me right here on kingsoftheheart.com. You can also find more about my practice at insightmft.com. Or if you just want to find out more about me, you can go to tyreekomariwalton.com or my other website, viewsandvibes.com. That's where you can find out more of my content between my old TV shows, interviews, articles. It's all laid out right there. And um, like John also said, we are on all streaming, most of the streaming. I don't want to say all. That's kind of blowing it out the water. But you can find us on most streaming platforms, Kings of the Heart. That's what we do. And if you have any questions or anything go to the website you can always yes. email us you can always text us um give if you have feedback if you have questions hit us up maybe we can share some of those on the air as we have these conversations yep good point all right well we had a great seeing you thank you again for coming always, on and always, taking a Wena. break for us for for the for the cypher my three cypher, my <laughs> oh, you know oh, it love it love this place man dr john good to see you man Always, brother. Always, definitely. And sister, we always wait to see you as well. Always have a great time during the cipher. Always, fantastic. You know it. You know it. All right, guys. You guys take care. Tune in again, and we'll see you later. Peace. Peace. <laughs>